Father, thank you for the privilege of being your church in this time. It feels like a key time in history. And you've chosen for us to be your church right now. Lord, we take that seriously. I pray, Father, as we lay a platform for this year, Lord God, you'd do something special on the inside of everyone here. Each of us unique, each of us loved, each of us gifted. Lord, mould us together because you can to be an amazing church that declares your glory. Let this be a place of safety and health where the community come, can come and find you. Lord, help us to mature individually and as a group to become the people you need us to be. So we tune into your word. We have a yes in our heart and a willingness in our feet. We have open mouths to declare your truth to a world that needs to hear it. And we say, use us. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Touch the person next to you and say, he's got something for you this morning. So, so good. I felt as it's the start of our fasted day that it would be good just to bring some thoughts around that. I'm sure there are many people here that have fasted in the past. Many people here who know stuff about fasting. But there will also be people here who are new to fasting and don't know much. And it's good to re-go over those things. But here's the truth. Not many people enjoy fasting. By wave of hand, tell me if you love fasting. No, no one. <laughs> the reality is it's difficult. And we don't have to pretend about that. It is good that we can be open and honest and not so super spiritual that we pretend something's not what it is. I want to read you just a small passage of what Jesus says when he's talking about fasting. Look at this in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 16 to 18. This is Jesus speaking. When you fast, turn to the person next to you and say, when. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, turn to the person on the other side of you and say, when. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, turn to the person to your right and say, in secret. He says, yeah, the people in this eye were like, I've got no friends. <laughs> who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Can you picture it now? We've already established fasting's not the easiest thing in the world. So what do the people here that Jesus is talking to do? They act all like, I'm somber, I'm fasting. Can anyone see that I'm fasting? They're not quite noticing that I'm fasting, so I disfigure my face. <laughs> fasting's really good. I'm so hungry. I'm going to die. This is what Jesus is talking to. And what happens is, he's saying they've received the reward. They so want to show everyone I'm so spiritual, I'm doing a good thing before God, that I'm so hungry that I can't hardly stand up and my face is all out of flesh. Well, you've received your reward because you've shown everyone else and they've gone, well done you. But he says, do something in secret. He says, look after yourself. Put oil on your hair, keep yourself clean, dress well, have a radiant face. But the reality is, it's hard. And I wonder, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? And I've got a thought around that for you. 
I think it's hard because there is a battle between your body and your spirit. We are three-part beings, body, spirit, and soul. And the soul is being contended. And our spirit says, I want to honor God. I want to do the right thing. I want to draw near to him. I want his blessings to flow in my life. I honor you. I give myself to you. But the thing with spiritual things is they are long-term gain. Spiritual things, when you hear Jesus talk, he talks about seed time and harvest. Anyone who's into farming or planting or gardening knows you don't put the seed in the ground, stand back and go, woohoo, there's a plant. It takes time. The sun has to come down. The rain has to be there. You have to nurture it. You have to put the right stuff in the soil. And over the course of time, you get a magnificent plant or a tree or whatever it is. It takes time. There is sowing and watering and fruit bearing. It takes time. The thing with the body is the body loves instant gratification. Is there an amen somewhere in the house? We love it. Come on, don't be so super spiritual people. You love it. (laughs) I like my body to feel good. I like to feel good now. Is that true? And so when we are talking about fasting, what are we doing? We're saying we are denying the body for a period of time to sow into the spirit. And guess what? The body doesn't like it. I want pleasing now. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And we're like, no, into the spirit, into the spirit. But feed me, into the spirit. And there's this clash going on. And fasting actively pits the body against the spirit. And that's why it's tough. Are you with me? Are you up for some fasting? Your body right now will be going, I'm not looking forward to this, not looking forward to this, but your spirit's going to come alive. And I love doing this in January because what it's doing is laying a foundation that 2023 might be a great year for you because we're putting God first, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable. And it's okay that it's uncomfortable. When we're talking about pleasing the body, you know, how much spending? I didn't used to be into a retail therapy. I used to think it was a myth. But then I married Sarah. And even though it's quite nice to go out and buy some stuff. But the trouble is, in the end, we live in a society that buys more and more stuff because it feels good and we're getting more and more in debt, aren't we? We're a society in debt because we want to gratify the body rather than plan ahead. Fortunately, we've overcome that one. How much eating? How much drinking? How many physical pleasures? when actually it's making us less healthy, not more healthy. And this is what fasting does. It's this opportunity to do something, to say, I'm doing this for you, Jesus. I got you to say it. What Jesus did he say? He said, when you fast. He doesn't say if. It was settled in Jesus' mind. He is making the assumption that we're committed to this. It's not, oh, I might or I might not. It's not about if, it's about when. So it needs to happen. In Jesus' mind, it's happening. But what are the results he speaks of? He says, when God the Father sees what you do in secret, he will reward you. Well, what reward? What's the reward? Well, can I suggest it's answered prayer? Can I suggest it's power released from heaven into your world right now? Can I suggest it's greater wisdom in decision makings in the moment? Because you're tuning into the Father and pulling him down into your world right now and you're more attuned to it. Why? Because you've denied the gratification of the body for a moment to tune into what he's really doing. And God honors it. Jesus calls it a reward. It gives you a different perspective. 
How often is it you're in the middle of something, there's stuff going on, it might be difficult and there's decisions to make and there's relationship issues and things going on in your world, but you take a breath, you stand back and go, I'm centering on you, Jesus. And then you look at it again, it just seems different. Because we look at it like this and God looks at it like this and he's got a different perspective. Fasting helps you to get the perspective of Jesus at the expense for a moment of gratifying the body. I love that Jesus calls it in secret. So if you like titles, my title today is The Secret Weapon. The Secret Weapon. I believe fasting is a highly unused part of the Christian armory. And if we could be the people God wants us to be, it's going to include some fasting. Why? Because we're prepared to deny ourselves for this moment so that we have a long-term gain. If we want to see the city of cultures to genuinely say for Jesus, there's going to be some fasting. Amen. The church needs to step up and say, they're worth it. You're worth it. Jesus died on a cross for people like that. And if I need to play my part in calling them in, I'm willing. There's a yes in my heart. Are you with me? You know, as I was thinking about the secret weapon, I, I nearly got some James Bond clips. But I looked at them and too many James Bond clips are a bit sexist really, aren't they? I thought that's not very churchy. But I love the gadgets, you know. I was looking at that one, I don't know if you remember, it used to have a, a white lotus esprit. And they were, they were driving it along and there was, this, there was this helicopter, normal scene in James Bond, this helicopter chasing this lotus esprit and it chased it right off a cliff and you're like, oh no, James is going to die. But he has a secret weapon. He flicks the switch and the wheels come under. The window's going to, it turns into a submarine. You're like, come on. The secret weapon. More than that. He's obviously got some girl next to him and she's looking at him going, oh, James. <laughs> James presses another button. And it's not just a submarine. It launches rockets. And the rocket goes out and they can see, because it's got one of those things that comes up, what they call periscopes. It's got one of those things that comes up out of the scene. And they can, they can see, he's no, not, what's that? He's not the claw. <laughs> I used to do this thing, I'm getting off track now. But I used to do this thing when, uh, when Josh was little and he used to love it. Well, I used to put a sock on my hand and I used to go like that. And I used to chase him around the room and he'd go, oh, daddy, daddy, I'm coming to catch you. James Bond didn't have one of them. He's laughing because it's true. Come on, Josh. You, you still like it, don't you? You did it yesterday. <laughs> but he has these secret weapons, and it's like, just like when they think they've got you, there's a secret. And I want to suggest to you this is true in all reality. When you start fasting, the devil's like, oh, no. I had a plan to ruin everything, but they pulled out the secret weapon. And yes, it cost me something, but it's worth it for the long-term gain. I'm prepared to pay a short-term cost for a long-term gain. Are you with me? This is important. I don't know if you've decided if you're fasting or you're not, or maybe you've come to church and you're unaware. Today's the day we start fasting. Would you join in? We're going to unpack it a little bit more. Let's consider a couple of biblical moments to do with fasting. Daniel, the book of Daniel. Daniel is famous for fasting, and uh, I'm going to share a couple of moments from his life. You've got to bear in mind that Daniel has been removed from his home, positioned in a foreign nation in Babylon, forced to honor their customs and their king, and he's struggling with it. He's wrestling with it. And we find Daniel here in Daniel chapter 1, and verses 8 through 15, it says this. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. 
Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any of the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Turn to the person next to you and say, 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So what's Daniel saying? I'm going to deny myself from the king's table. The very thing that the king of this world thinks is great. I'm going to deny myself this. And for 10 days, his first fast was a 10-day fast. For 10 days, he just had vegetables and water. For some people sitting here, they're like, that sounds great. Perfect. But what happened at the end of the 10 days? They look better. Why? Partly because that's actually good eating. And partly because God honors it and rewards it. So they were expecting them to look terrible, but they looked better. They looked healthier than the ones who had indulged from everything that this world has said was good for them. Can you see it? I wonder if we take that principle and apply it to today. What are the king's treats today? I wonder what they would be. What is it that the world says is making your life more enjoyable? How much food and eating out? How much alcohol? How much social media? How many clothes? How many habits? How much caffeine? These are the things that are in front of us today. And I'm not saying any of them are bad or any of them are good. I'm asking you questions for you to decide. But I'm saying these are on offer. And at a moment when you say, what am I going to fast? What is it that's actually really good for me and what's not good for me? And am I prepared to make a moment right now rather than just fitting in with what feels like pleasure now at the expense of something that could be very spiritual long term? Are you with me? I love this moment in our year, actually. Don't get me wrong, I find fasting tough too. But I love this because it's a moment to pause it's a moment to reflect, and it's a moment to reset. I'm sure all of us have formed habits over the years that maybe looking back, you think, oh, how have I got into that one? Well, here's your moment. Fast that thing. Stop. Create a break. Start thinking different. Start speaking different. Start acting different. Create new habits. This could be a special moment for you. Is it time to stop dining for the king's table? And in this instance, it was a 10-day fast. Later on in Daniel's life, we find him here in, in um, chapter 10, and they're in a situation where they really need some wisdom. They're up against it. The king's asking questions. They don't really know what to do. And we find Daniel here in, in chapter 10, verses 2 through 12. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, three weeks. I ate no choice foods, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. He must have been a bit stinky by then. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz. 
around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice sounded like, um, like the sound of the multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And he said this to me. I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since that this is important. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. Here they are looking for some answers. What does Daniel do? He chooses for three weeks, 21 days. This is where the Daniel fast comes from. Those of you that heard the Daniel fast, this is the scripture. For three weeks, no choice foods touched my lips. That's the Daniel fast. Three weeks of no choice foods. That's why we choose to do three weeks. It's based on this passage. Now you can choose what you will or won't do in that time, but Daniel had no choice foods. No meat, no wine, no lotions. That's what he did. And what happened? Everyone else was running around with fear and trembling. But Daniel had peace. And Daniel was the one who was able to decipher what was going on. God gave him a vision. When did the vision come? And I love it there. Let's read it again. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. The moment he started fasting, something changed. Something changed between heaven and earth for Daniel. He got to see the vision. As you read the story, he gets the answers. Sometimes fasting is what you need when you've got to make a big call. Sometimes when you're up against it, you don't know where to turn and what to do, and it's all before you, and everyone else is running scared. You need to stop, deny yourself something to enhance your spirit, and say, God, I need you right now. I believe we've been living in a time, a long time now, where the world is running around in fear and trembling. Obviously, COVID, lockdown, viruses, flus, all these things are happening. But how about the church doesn't run around in fear and trembling, but stops and fasts and say, God, what do you want of us? How can we become part of the solution to this so that Jesus is glorified? You know, that takes some effort. But we need to be a church that are willing to make the effort. Wouldn't it be so amazing? If you turned up at church and hordes of people were coming in. Why? Because we're committed to fast and we're committed to pray and we're committed to reach out to our city. And people started seeing us the light on the hill where we're supposed to be. Sometimes it takes a pause and a fast. He quieted the noise. I think this is important. You know, so often we're so full of noise and stuff and pleasures and doing things that please us. We just need to quiet and say, Lord, let me hear you again. He quieted the noise so that he could hear God's answer. He heard God's answer. Fasting is a game changer. Another place here in Judges 20, and the picture is this, that the Israelite army who are super successful, they are God's people. 
We are God's people. We should be super successful. God blesses us. But it doesn't always go like that. And they were having a moment where the Benjamite army kept beating them. And they were frustrated. They're like, we should be beating these people, but we keep suffering loss. So what did they do? Judges 20, verses 26 through 28. Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel, where they sat weeping before the Lord. Shock, horror. They fasted that day, one day. One day. So we've had a 10-day fast. We've had a 21-day fast. And we've had a one-day fast. The point I'm trying to make is there's lots of different types of fast. All of them appeal to God. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant was there with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, ministering before it. They asked, shall we go up again to fight against the Benjamites, our fellow Israelites, or not? The Lord responded, go, for tomorrow I give them into your hands. Here they are suffering loss, continual loss. But rather than run around in terror, rather than throw their toys out the prayer, how many of us, God's people, hit a bad moment and start going, flipping God, this is rubbish, I don't even know if I believe in him anymore, it's all rubbish, never works out for me. We've all been there. But what do they do? They stop. Yes, they weep for a moment. They've lost friends and family. But they fast one day to get God's attention, to say, we need, in the midst of all this trouble, Lord, we need to hear you. What do we do? And because they fasted, what does it do? It speaks to God. And he says, go tomorrow. You'll get a different result. Now, I don't know where you are suffering defeat in your life. And I think most people do suffer defeat in their life. But I'm asking this question. Is it time to roll out the secret weapon? Is it time to fast and pray? Is it time to say, Lord, I'm your child. I believe you love me. It's not working out how I hoped. I need to pause and reset and tune in and say, what do you want of me? Am I doing it wrong? Do I go again? Here's the truth. He didn't ask them to do something different. He just said, go again. But they went empowered by heaven. Fasting releases power from heaven. And they got a different result. You read the story, they win. In Matthew 17, we find, I'm not going to have this one on the screen, but in Matthew 17, you find the disciples. These are the very disciples that have walked with Jesus, have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. The Bible said there were so many miracles, if we recorded them, we required too many books. They saw all this stuff. I don't know about you, but when I see miracles, my faith goes up. They are seeing literally Jesus do miracles. They were full of faith. And Jesus sent them out and they came back rejoicing that the demons answered to them and sickness left people and all sorts of stuff was going on. But then there was this one lad. And they said, we can't, we can't shift it, Jesus. What is it? We can't set him free from what's oppressing him. And this is Jesus' response. He says, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. These were good men and women of God. But sometimes you just need that extra clout. And what is the extra clout? The secret weapon. I'm going to fast for a day. I'm going to fast for 10 days. I'm going to fast for three weeks. I don't know whatever God puts in your heart in that moment. But I know this. It shifts something. Fasting is a secret weapon. And I wonder whether the church doesn't fast so much just because it's uncomfortable. And it's hard on the old body. And we're like, oh, it's a bit tough. But then we moan and fuss and fight and whine and decide whether God even exists because it doesn't go our way. How about we get real and say, we're going to be the people you asked us to be. 
How about we get real and say, I'm prepared to deny myself for the long-term gain. I want to hear your voice. I want to tune into you. I want to be more available. I want to see power from heaven touch earth, and I'm willing to do what it takes. If that means I have to go hungry, so be it. That means I have less coffee, so be it. That means I spend less money. Whatever it would be for you, I don't know. But let's get real about it. I've entitled this next little section, King Belly. Turn to the person next to say, King Belly. Here's a picture of my home, and I'm pretty sure a picture of my home is going to be similar to a picture of your home. I come home from work, the children come home from work, and the first question, come on all the mums in the room, the first question is, what's for dinner? You spend your whole day wondering what's for dinner. The difficulty my wife has is we all like different things. Round of applause in one moment for my wife who cooks three different dinners every day. This is what's hilarious in our house. We've got a relatively new dog, Tilly, who's going to be one next month. But Tilly has decided she's not going to eat the lamb version of the meal. Even the dog is fussy. (laughs) But here's what happens. We spend so much time going over what we're going to eat, what we're going to eat, what's next. What's next. Like we come in and we snack and we fizzy drinks and water and tea and coffee and we eat and we come to dinner and we eat some more. And then after dinner, we sit down for an hour and have another little snack. It's food, 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 food. I want to say King Belly's winning some games here. Are you hearing me? <laughs> we fuss and struggle to keep our belly happy. But I wonder... Is it at the expense of tuning into the Father sometimes? How often do, do we come home and not say what's for dinner, but actually say, what did God say to you today? What was your prayer life? What was your revelation? Did you have a moment? We rarely, if ever, say that, but we always discuss what's happening in the gut. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm talking about what's the balance. Of course, come home and be excited about what you're about to eat. But how about bring some balance in and some spirituality into your home to say, what's God saying in your world? Because that's going to inspire me. I challenge you. challenge you with that. How about Jesus? So, so far, we've had a 10-day fast. We've had a 21-day fast. We've had a one-day fast. Who knows how long Jesus fasted? Matthew 4, verse 2. After, this is the understatement of the century. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights... He was hungry. <laughs> oh, feeling a bit peckish now. Whew. My understanding is, and there's probably more doctors and scientific people than me, my understanding is 40 days is about the limit you can go without food and water without dying. Jesus took it to the limit. 40 days and he was hungry. But what happened? This was at the beginning of his ministry. He hadn't ministered yet. But he chose to lay a foundation. And this was the foundation that caused God to be in the center of everything he ever did. I put you first. I'm going to take my body to the very limit to be in tune with you, Father. And then when we see Jesus' ministry, he says, I never do anything I don't see the Father doing. I'll only speak what I hear the Father saying. All the way, God's central, God's central, God's central. God. Jesus wouldn't let his body dictate. He was all about the Spirit. And I want to say, church, come on, can we be inspired? Could we be people who say, I want to be closer to you? Because who knows this? Part of the reward is blessing. God wants you blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. But sometimes we want the blessing, but we're not prepared to pay the price for the blessing. And this is part of the picture. 
can I ask you a tough question? I'm good at this sort of thing, aren't I? For you, is God king or is belly king? This is what I want to say. Fast something that's significant to you. No judgment here. We will all do something different, and it's, and it's brilliant that we're all different. But it needs to be significant. I wonder, are we the church that believes in fasting but wants to do the easiest possible thing? I'm going to fast half a frosty. I'm going to fast one cup of coffee. Great, good for you. But is that going to touch the heart of the Father? All the frosty lovers like couldn't do that. Grrr. Let me give you some options. You could fast social media. And I actually think that's a good fast. Social media is very good. It's a really good tool. I don't personally agree with people who say social media is awful because I think it's a really good tool. We have added to this church because of our social media. I've been able to reach out and pray for people because of social media. I've stayed connected to people all around the world because of social media. I fully appreciate there are negatives about social media. But it's your choice how you use it. But maybe is social media getting to the point where you're scrolling, 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 scrolling. You've seen every TikTok video under the sun and you're going around for the 15th time and you're still scrolling, laughing at some cat that's falling off the ledge or something. And you've scrolled for three hours in a day, but you haven't prayed once. Is the balance wrong somewhere? Maybe somewhere you need to shift it and maybe the fast is a good reset. I'm not saying social media is wrong. I'm saying, does it take over? At the expense of your spirituality, your short-term gain is costing you your long-term win. It might be sugar. Maybe for you it's just like you've got the old sweet tooth. Maybe it'll be really tough and a real sacrifice to you say, I'm cutting sugar out for three weeks. Maybe it'll be meat. Maybe it'll be alcohol. Maybe it'll be coffee and caffeine. Maybe it's desserts. Maybe you'll fast for a full day and then do something different for a day. Maybe it'll be a half day. Maybe you'll miss one meal every day. I'm just throwing out options. If you're a married couple, maybe you'll fast intimacy. Paul advocates that. Deny each other for the sake of praying together. These are the options you could have. For us, in our house, Sarah and I, we've decided we're going to do a different fast on the first week and a different one on the third, second week and a different one on the third. We're going to vary up and we're going to challenge ourselves. Will you consider it? Will you consider it prayerfully? And will you challenge yourself? Don't just go, I'm going to do the easiest thing so I joined in the fast. Because the easiest thing doesn't lead to biggest results. Most power released. Biggest answers of prayer. What I love about God in all of this is that you look at any exercise magazine, listen to any personal trainer, and they will tell you fasting is actually good for your body. I love that when you see a spiritual principle in the Bible, it's always good for you. Why? Because God is our creator and he made our bodies. So when he instigates fasting for spiritual purposes, it's also actually good for us. It's good to have a good detox, a flush out of the system. It's good. And, and all exercise people advocate that. But let me round it up here with this thought in Isaiah 58 and verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. I love that. Fasting isn't about starving yourself. It's about shutting out the noise of your flesh to draw close to God. And as you draw close to God, you feel his heartbeat. 
And if you get close enough, his heartbeat becomes your heartbeat. And then you look around the world with the heartbeat of the Father. And it is impossible not to be moved by the struggle that people are in. So fasting isn't just about starving yourself. It's about getting the heartbeat of the Father and putting it into action. It's not just starving yourself that I'm interested in. It's about connecting with me and behaving differently going forward. And I will then empower your actions because you're actually walking out my heartbeat. When you unpack this verse, you know, we're talking about injustice. You've only got to turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see injustice everywhere. Shouldn't we, the church, be having a heart for this kind of stuff? Shouldn't we be doing our best to make a difference? And if we'd fasted and prayed, maybe God would get his weight of heaven behind our efforts and we could achieve more because of that. It's talking about the yoke. And it's not talking about eggs here. I know we're talking about fasting. You're thinking about food all the time. The yoke is, is, is the tool that they put on the oxen, that sat on their necks and enabled them to drive them in a certain direction. And there are people who are suffering the yoke of lack and poverty. And that lack and poverty is forcing them to live in a certain way they don't want to. The, the, the yoke of, of slavery and trafficking. The, the yoke of displacement. People are being forced to live in a way they don't want to. And what does God say? This is what pleases me. Go and help them. Take it off of them. Loosen the cords to help them get free. I want people, because I love them and died for them, to live free and be happy and express themselves. And I want you, my church, to get such a heart for that you can't not get involved. Isn't that the kind of fasting I look for? So as we go on this journey, in week number three, we've decided as a church we're going to pray for the city. Wouldn't it be great to say, Lord, show me in this city where there's injustice. Show me where there's slavery and displacement. Show me where people are in, in some form of a yoke and they're struggling and they're hurting and they're not living how they want to. And how can I step into that? Could I make a difference? Let this fast bear fruit like that. Because that is what touches the heart of the Father. Are you hearing me? When you ultimately look at Jesus, he was in heaven with the Father in perfection and he looked down at humanity me and you and he couldn't not move he says this is not how I planned it and so what does he do he steps down from heaven into earth in effect he fasted heaven to come to earth he gave up all the pleasures that were there to come down into the struggle that was here and we know he lived a perfect life he honored his father he prayed, he fasted, he healed people, he accepted people, he set people free. And then he was ultimately murdered by the very people he created. And he was hanging on a cross in that moment. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. I love them anyway. I accept them anyway. I came to do this for these very people. And I don't deserve it. But I fasted and I prayed. And I've touched your heart, Father. And what does the Father do? He raises him from the dead and says, we win. Everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in their heart, we win. We can now live with hope in our hearts for eternity. The day will come when every single one of us will stand before the judge. It's going to come. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. We're going to stand before the King of Kings. But some of us will stand there with Jesus, my advocate. And when I go to sit on my seat of judgment, Jesus is going to step in and say, no, not you, Barry, me. Jesus will sit down in my place. 
And the father will look at Jesus and say, acceptable. And Jesus will say, welcome, Barry. I'm not saved because I'm good. I'm saved because he's good. And I love him for that. And now I choose to live my life to honor that. And that creates boundaries for me. So I choose not to use awful language. I choose not to rob and cheat and steal and slander and be horrible to people. I choose to live the best I can. And I don't get it right every day. But I choose to do my best to honor the one who gave up heaven to come to earth for me. So that when I stand before the judge of heaven and hell, of eternity and lack, Jesus is going to sit there for me. And I'm going to give him the biggest flipping hug. Because I love him. And so if Jesus was prepared to give that up for me, what am I prepared to give up for him? And we're talking three weeks of a little bit of bodily discomfort to say, speak to me, Lord. To say, empower me, Lord. To say, give me wisdom, Lord. To say, help me be a little bit more like you, Lord. I'm prepared to deny my body to sow into my spirit. And I'm prepared that it might cost me something. But then when I see this city come into this church and meet you, I believe Jesus is going to stand up and say, well done, well done. Have you ever read in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen is stoned? Jesus rises again from the dead and the Bible says he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But then Stephen won't back down. When they say you've got to deny Christ, when they say stop preaching like that, he just does it harder. And they literally stone him to death. They pick up rocks and throw them at him until he's dead. And there's a moment just before he goes and he looks up to heaven and he gets a vision. And his vision is this, Jesus not seated, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And I believe he was so willing to sacrifice whatever it took that Jesus stood. He didn't stay seated. He couldn't stay seated. He stood up and said, yes, I can use that. And actually inspired people. Could me and you live in such a way that Jesus stands up and says, well done. I'm with you. We're going to do this together. And maybe, just maybe, at the start of 2023, a good way to make a step towards that is to commit to a three-week fast, just like Daniel, and say, I'm challenging my body to sow into my spirit that in six months' time, this church will have grown, will have had a greater impact in this city, would have loved more people, would have become a bit more like Jesus. I'm trying to say to you, the sacrifice is worth it. Is there an amen? I'd love to pray for you if you wouldn't mind standing. Let me just invite you to close your eyes if, if you're willing. Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for every amazing, brilliant, gifted person stood here right now and for everyone who will be listening online I ask you to bless them we determine right now Lord God to consider how we're going to handle this fast what part we're going to play in it speak to us I pray let us pick the right thing for ourselves but Lord, I ask that you would speak to us clearly through these next three weeks. 
I ask that people would have testimonies of answered prayer. I pray that faith would arise through these next three weeks, that we'd become excited about who we are and who we're called to be, that our spirits would come alive, that you would be cheering us on from heaven. Your word says a great cloud of witnesses is there. Thank you. Let us see people and situations how you see them and behave like that. Stir your church, Lord, I pray. Stir your church, Lord, I pray. Stir your church. You are good people. You are good people. I just sense there's some people in here right now who are actually going through some emotional pain. You're really struggling with things in your life. And you need to know your Father in heaven has seen you. And your answers are coming. Stay the course. Stay open-hearted. Don't close up. You're going to have a testimony of His goodness. I believe there's people in the room who are tired. Been working so hard, doing so much, juggling so many balls. I believe the Lord's going to replenish you over these next three weeks. He's going to give you so much. You're going to come out of it energized and ready to go and with a zest for life again. Empowered from heaven. Bless you. Just in this holy moment, I want to give everyone an opportunity. Are you right with Jesus? Have you been drifting? It's the day of the day you say, Jesus, at the start of this fast, I get right with you. Be the center again. Maybe you've never committed to Jesus and you're feeling inspired in this moment. It's the day of the day for the first time you say, you're welcome here, Jesus. It'll change your world. Just with every eye closed, I wonder if you want to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, be the center of my life. Just give me a wave and we'll pray that together. Thank you, Jesus. Just give me a wave and I'll see your hand and we'll pray. Everyone's good today. I'll always give that, give that opportunity. So Father, as we go to praise you one more time, I pray you'd be glorified. You'd be honored that our spirits would come alive, that everyone would be sent away empowered to be your church, empowered to be your representatives here on earth, fully committed to do what it takes to honor you. Amen.